Welcome to Asbury Pod with Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. This week, we talked to David Lewis Jr. and Jared Atkins, who together with their partner Fritz Georges formed the power trio behind Macrobytes, the healthy meal delivery service and cafe. By itself, three childhood friends putting incarceration behind them to become entrepreneurs is a great story. But what happens when you start a new business on the eve of a global pandemic, which immediately eats 40% of your revenue instead of your food? Rather than closing up shop and going home, the trio went big, expanded their delivery service to 35 states, and opened up a storefront on Springwood Avenue right here in Asbury Park. Theirs is a story of good friends, good food, resiliency, and a little good news in a world of bad. Welcome, David and Jarrett. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. A few weeks ago, we debuted a new theme song here at Asbury Pod. And at the time I said, if you think you could do better, submit one. And our man Steel Hillier in Jersey City took a break from scoring a movie to do just that. He sent us the hard-hitting theme we all need for Asbury Pod. So get out your glow sticks, everybody. Here we go. everybody it's the last day it's the last day of february moving into march and thank god moving into spring weather because i'm not um a winter person and just really find the whole thing a bit depressing so yay spring's coming um and we have such amazing guests on today i'm very excited i'm gonna have you guys introduce yourselves but just so everybody knows it's macrobytes which um, you guys, I mean, I did a quick Google search today and between MSNBC, the Asbury Park Press and News 12, um, you guys have been everywhere. So I'm Amy Quinn. Uh, I'm Joe Walsh. And, um, and would you guys mind doing a little bit of an intro for us? Absolutely. I'm uh, Dave Lewis, the president of Macrobytes. And I'm Jared Atkins, the CEO of Macrobytes. Well, welcome, welcome to Asbury Pod. So I did, and I'm gonna let Joe jump in, but I did a little bit of research. So you guys have been around since September, 2019? Correct. Okay. And um, tell us a little bit about what, one, you're one of the few businesses that opened up in terms of a store during the pandemic, but tell us a little bit about what Macrobytes is and what it does and what you guys are about. Yeah, so we're a uh, ready-to-eat, healthy meal prep delivery service. And then we also have the uh, the marketplace here in Asbury that also serves as our headquarters for Macrobytes. Uh, we ship to 35 states, from California all the way over to New York. Um, and we also own a cafe in Robbinsville uh, in the Jersey Strong. 
when you know when I was doing um when I was looking you know doing research this week uh, this is the first episode I'm really nervous you know we we've done a lot of interviews with uh, local businesses but they're super local like we know them and they're like ten customers <laughs> you know you guys have been on national news you're you're already nationwide you're probably the biggest business we've already talked to you know we're here and um. So, uh, you know, the more I, the more I was looking, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, they've already been on national news and, you know, Amy and I's podcast is, it's more akin to us yelling at you from our porch as you walked by like third Avenue, like, you know, or new street, you know? So, and, and we're super excited that it's an Asbury business. It's really, um, you know, well, at least you know, when you opened up on Summerfield, uh, in the Cooley cafe space, right. It's really just a great, uh, story opening up, of course, at the worst possible time, right. In the middle of this pandemic and, you know, but uh, the, you know, the, the business, um, you know, the, you, we're going to get into the story a little bit, but the, you know, the entire, the business model and the progression from an idea into a business has been really remarkable and, and an exciting story. And I'm so like, you know, so glad that you're here. Um, so, and, the, and Joe, their story similar to, uh, Robin too, a little bit in terms of like, so we had a woman named Robin lives on third Ave. She started a food truck and her, it was like, she didn't have any, experience with food trucks. She just knew she wanted to do it. And she's got probably, you know, one of the most successful, she, she has a day job as well, but she runs this amazing, amazing food truck in town and, you know, similar story in terms of like, um, just, you know, took a risk and, and that risk, that, that risk worked out for her. Hey, definitely. Hey, good for her. So I've definitely heard of her. I'm glad she's uh, getting some success and Joe, no need to be nervous, man. I'm <laughs> And we get on any type of anything because we feel like regular guys, you know, we've gotten a lot of attention for our business. But, you know, in our little circle, we just feel like, you know, some guys are just out here trying to get it, trying to make it. Even with all the uh, with all the national coverage, like you're you're a local, you know, local guy who, uh, mm. who local companies, you know, we're local guys, too. You know, we've been in business uh, 16 or 17 months now. Right. Uh, so kind of transpired very, very quick. And, you know, we didn't start the company when the pandemic started. We started it probably four months before the pandemic started, which uh, which might have been an even worse time because <laughs> we started with a model that we thought was going to work and that thought we thought we had, we had all the uh, all the uh, I's dotted and all the T's crossed. And then, you know, here here comes Mr. Uh, Mr. COVID. And then we had to change right. the whole, whole business model. So, you know. If it wasn't for that, you know, we're not here and it all happened so fast. So we're, we're just as local as you are. Don't, don't we're nervous too. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. I mean, I'm like, yeah, they're right there over there. <laughs> it's just a couple of blocks. Well, I mean, on the podcast, I'm pointing in their direction, but um, we, well, that's, you know, we've been interviewing small businesses in Asbury this whole, um, all through COVID and talking about, you know, what it's like to adapt and overcome to the, you, you guys really had a remarkable shift. You changed your whole model, right? So your original the original model is that you were selling the, the, the prepackaged foods out of um, gyms, right? And you were or like doing setups outside of GNCs in the mall and things like that. And COVID blew that model up when all the gyms shut down, right? So, and so rather than close, you're like, you shifted gears. And that's a pretty remarkable, uh, like, I mean, you jumped to a much bigger distribution, it, it seems to me, unless you had that, I'm sorry, maybe you were nationwide beforehand, but the the model to food delivery and um again opening up a cafe you know in the face of that adversity it's pretty you know, uh, i guess if you either take a risk or you go home right i think you know is that the story pretty much so you know the the foundation of our story is just adaptation you know what we had to do to get where we are now 
and in our personal lives, we had to adapt to a lot and it prepared us for when we had to deal with, you know, half of our revenue disappearing because all the gyms closed, uh, what we were going to do. And I remember, you know, the three of us sitting around, you know, not really knowing what we were going to do, you know, sales were low. We didn't have any money in the bank. Uh, and it was really emotional for us. You know, we thought it was pretty much over. Uh, but, you know, through some hard work, some dedication, we kind of had a revelation, you know, like, you know, we're driving around, bringing meals to, to people ourselves and selling them out of gyms. You know, why not use UPS and FedEx and, you know, the postal service companies that deliver stuff, you know, every day efficiently. And once we made that switch and, and really dug into it and made sure that was, the numbers were good and it was profitable, you know, it, it really paved the way from where we're at now. And if it wasn't for us having to adapt to what happened with COVID, we would probably wouldn't be as, as successful as we are now. Yeah, yeah. Right, right we would definitely we would definitely sell out of out of gyms. The one the one part of the uh of the model, the original model that you missed though, is we were we were delivering. So, you know. We would, you know, marinate all day Saturday, cook until 4 a.m., 5 a.m. Sunday, and then get on the road for eight hours Monday and be delivering all through New Jersey. So, you know, when COVID happened, you know, like Dave said, it took away, you know, 30% of business in retail, half of our business with delivery. And we were just sitting around the room looking at each other like, well, what are we going to do, guys? <laughs> you know, we got we to gotta have a plan. Um and, and, you know, we, we did shift. We shifted the model and it did help us because now we have a much better model with uh, much less output that we are on our end. It's much more, it's much easier. It's much more animated. So it, it was great. I don't know how we did. I don't honestly know how we did either. I look back, I, you know, I guess it's the, the small steps, you know, the small W's. We always celebrate the small W's. And looking back now, you know, I, this is why we, we made big W, big push. Well, I think and a lot can of I just go... Go ahead, Amy. I'm, 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 no, I was just going to say, can I go back like to to the uh, original model and meal prep? Like, did you see, you know, what kind of what was the inspiration between between just starting the meal prep, even in the gyms? Or did you find like not there the, the food that was being served was like not uh, the caliber you thought should be? Well, Pretty much the inspiration came from what we were good at. So me and Jared were already uh, managing a restaurant at the time. So we had a lot of, you know, kitchen experience, management experience. And we were also both personal trainers and heavily into fitness. Uh, and we saw other companies around us in the area in New Jersey and nationwide, uh, you know, serving healthy food to people. Uh, and we were already doing it for our personal training clients. So we decided to just build a business around that. Uh, we love to do it and we're good at it. So, you know, those two things are, we think are, are necessary. You know, I was looking at your, your menu of um, options. You made, uh, you made a point that half your menu um, on one of the um, videos that I was watching your half your menu is vegan. I was, I have that as a note as somebody <laughs> who's vegan. So count well, me in. Well, I was to say, tell us about that. That's a conscious choice. Like, so when you're thinking about, you know, veganism in this space, like, you know, are either of you guys uh, vegetarian or are you just making space for customers or is it our personal interest there? And so we both had brief stints where we uh, tried veganism and unfortunately, <laughs> maintain. Uh, it was a little bit difficult, but, you yeah. know, there's a market for it and the market's only growing. Uh, and that's a, a avenue that we saw was underserved. 
um, where either if you could get vegan stuff, but that, that was all you could get from a vegan company uh, or some of the other companies, they didn't have many vegan options. So we decided to put a strong emphasis on, you know, taking care of some of our customers who do live that lifestyle. One of the uh, one of the big missions we try to provide with our company, you know, yeah, we do the meal prep, yes, healthy eating, but we want to provide an alternative to a healthier lifestyle. And that's in all spaces. So, yeah, we want to create that space for vegans. Yes, we want to create that space for, for everybody because this is about living a healthier lifestyle for everybody, not for any selective group of people. So it's very inclusive. We have an inclusive culture where we want to, you know, try to serve as many people who might be underserved as possible. And I, I, so all three of you born and raised in the area in Asbury Neptune? So uh, <laughs> our, our third partner, Fritz, he lives right down, right down the street where he uh, grew up, born and raised here. Um, you know, I was born in Florida, actually, in a military family and bounced around all through the South. And uh, we ended up settling down in Fort Monmouth. Um, and then I moved over to Neptune uh, after high school. And I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I just had a traveling family, so we always moved around. And uh, eventually I ended up in Tenton Falls, and uh, I went to Monmouth Regional and then moved to Neptune, and I've been there my whole adult life, so. And let me ask this, and I asked this with Robin, Robin Preston with the food truck, like, has the goal always been to, to have a storefront? Like, has that always been kind of the, the long-term goals? Well, so we always wanted a storefront because we saw the benefit it, it, it would provide in revenue, having a place where people could walk in and pick up the food instead of just uh, delivering or shipping it. Um, and we'll, in the beginning, we just didn't have enough money to, we weren't able to. So we ended up uh, renting hourly uh, from a commercial kitchen uh, or cooking out of our friend's restaurant, Aries de Columbia down in Bradley Beach. Uh, she would let us use her kitchen. Uh, so really to, to be opening this place up here in Asbury uh, was a blessing for us. It's raised the revenue. We've got a lot of uh, hometown uh, like support and people in the community are really excited about it. And so are we. And, you know, I think that uh, we definitely, I think that we wanted a, front, a storefront, but correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, I think we were looking more towards just kitchens like we weren't really looking towards storefronts and when you know the idea has kind of expanded since then because you know once like you know once the pandemic happened and we started to to innovate and change our model that was something that we realized that we really we really needed to have it was really going to be a uh, uh, integral part of the uh, of the process and the reason why this was so significant why we put uh, so much so much resources and so much effort into it uh, is again picking back off what I said before about uh, underserved communities and people who don't have access uh, around here where we're at across the street from the projects you can't go and get uh, healthy food that's like this you can't go and get organic produce and you know things that are healthy there's plenty of pizza there's a lot of you know fried chicken there's a lot of places that uh, to eat that aren't healthy for you and you know that serves its purpose everybody likes pizza so do I uh, but you know being able to provide an option for people here for local people who may not have a car and can't drive somewhere where there's healthy food uh, was super important for us. And David, you used, I think it was your term that I, that, that certainly rung through to me in, you know, I've been in Asbury maybe 20 years and I've been on the council like eight. 
And you use this great term called, you know, a food drought in the in the southwest quadrant of town, which, you know, I couldn't agree with you more there. And I couldn't agree with you more. There is a food drought in 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 on in the southwest quadrant of the city and like, you know, incentivizing or trying to figure out just from a city perspective or policy perspective, like what to do about that. I think that's why um, I know when when we heard you guys were coming, we were like, oh, my God, I can finally, you know, grab something to eat. Um, if I'm at Springwood Ave Park, which is, you know, a pretty robust park in the summer, you know, it does a concert series and such, but, um, I, I just thought that was like a great way to put, um, the Southwest part of town and, and there is a food drought. Right. And from our local community, we've seen people are super excited about it. We talk to the people who come in, who, you know, relay the message of what we just said that, you know, I couldn't come close anywhere and get something like this before and now they can't you know that it feels good to be able to open something like that you know for the people here well use the word options right it's an option that didn't exist prior to that you know asbury is you know what are you gonna do uh, well you can you know, if you don't have a car right we, we're gonna take a, ta- a cab all the way out to wegmans or Shoprite, or right. walk to a 7-eleven and get like fritos or something like that which are yeah. delicious right who doesn't like that it's not <laughs> That is not your primary food. So there's a there's a, a hurdle just to get getting access to fresh produce and things like that. So just an option. You could just now you can choose to do, you know, maybe you do want um, you know pizza, but right, you can just walk across the street here to Somerville and uh, um, um, by the park in. Uh, did I say Somerville? Sorry, that's in Somerset County. <laughs> wrong, wrong park. But anyway, you can get uh, uh, food that you can't, it wouldn't ordinarily have an option. I think it's a great, you know, any more options always help communities, right? And and you as a business owner, you provide, you know, and it's an opportunity for you. And I think it's great. Um, You're happy to have us. We're happy to be here. Want- yeah. So, and, oh, go ahead, Joe. No, no, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to start talking a little bit. So Joe and I have been trying to to talk to businesses about COVID and you guys have kind of touched on the pivot that that has to have been done, whether you're a restaurant or retail, um, you know, and and also just as a city trying to figure out what, you know, people want to talk about the comeback of Esbury Park. And you'd be very hard breast talking about that comeback without talking about small businesses in Esbury Park. You know, we don't have Targets or Walmarts or any of that. We have um, Macrobites. We have a Watermark. We have um, Ada's. Um, so, so you know, just kind of, you know, I want to touch on your guys seeing, you know, the pivot from the the meal prep and delivery to kind of a storefront and then obviously much bigger delivery, not you guys delivering it, but delivering it out, you know, just in the initial... And, and this is for my edification, and I'll tell you why, and people who listen to this podcast are going to get so sick of this story. So when you're on the council and this and COVID was happening, I'm sitting, you know, it's like in the back of our ear and we're, we're being told to, to, to socially distance. As, we're, as you guys, it's a party town, so trying to get people to socially distance is not the easiest thing on the planet. And so I go out to dinner to Jimmy's restaurant, which is not too far from where you guys are on Asbury Ave. It's an old, old-time Italian restaurant. And nobody in there social distancing. Nobody, 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 nobody. And so we, this is on a Saturday night and Sunday morning, the council wakes up and is like, you know what, we're going to close it down prior to New Jersey closing it down. Um, so I would love to hear a little bit about, you know, the journey from like February, March, sitting in a room, figuring out if you're just going to, you know, fuck it or you're going to, you know, bring it. And then, yeah, this and is then a not, kind yeah, of. 
you know, into not only did you bring it, but you threw caution to the wind and opened a storefront, which, you know, I think is also really interesting during a time when, you know, there's a lot of um, uncertainty. So, so just your initial thoughts when COVID happened, kind what of, did you, did you think it was going to be a couple of weeks like we did? And now we're, you know, at a year. When did you first hear that you were going to like, when did you first worry that, oh, these, when did you first realize that this is, we weren't going to open back up, right? And that you were going to have to switch gears? Well, I mean, after, if you remember the timeline of it happening, you know, in late February, early March, uh, the warning that we got that the gyms were closing was maybe a day or, or, or so. Right. Uh, so then immediately, you know, there goes, you know, 40% or so of the revenue that we were coming, that we were bringing in. And since we didn't have a, such a large nest egg to begin with, like we just sold a lot of our stuff, put in our savings to start this, uh, you know, not having a week or two of, of that gym revenue, you know, was an eye opener for us that we had to change pretty much immediately, immediately. because, yeah. you know, if, if not, uh, we were going to be in a place where we wouldn't have enough revenue to fill our delivery orders. Uh, you know, people were losing their jobs. They didn't have a lot of money to, to order out anyway. So sales were just slumping, you know, all across the board. Um, and what really, you know, I think carried us to where we are now is not just the pivot in how we were operationally running the business, uh, like in starting shipping and all of that good stuff. Uh, but it was the tightening up on the back end of our financial you know, spending because we knew we was we weren't going to have the same revenue that we were that we had before. Uh, so we had to tighten up and reduce waste, you know, to an extreme level, which has carried us now because we kept some of those same principles. Um, so now, as we grow uh, and do stuff like open up a marketplace, we're doing it efficiently. You know, we're not doing it with the same uh, you know lackadaisical attitude because we know, you know, it could be gone, you know? <laughs> yeah. Stop coming in, they, they could shut, shut things down again. We, you know, we would have to make sure we're financially okay. I think that when we started, uh, when, when things started getting bad, probably January or February till me and Dave sat down, we had the intuition. We were intuitive enough to be like, Hey, you know, this thing is going on in China. Cause this thing has been going on for a long time now. We said, Hey, you know, this, this thing looks bad. You know what I mean? Uh, we don't know what's going to happen. And then when it actually did happen, we, you know, we kind of, we weren't fully prepared for it, but we had talked about it up to that point, you know, so we kind of had plan B, plan C to try things out, you know, to, to go through the, the motions of trying things out. And then um, we never really stopped working. So when things did down, it was never, uh, okay, we're going to hang our jacket up and go home. No, like Dave said, we worked on our back end stuff. How do we get these sales happening? How do we tighten up on QuickBooks? How do we, you know, get this account? You know, how do we tighten up on recipes so we know we're making, you know, money off of our food costs and, and all that good stuff? So uh, we never stopped. And I think some restaurants did stop and they just kind of locked their doors and went home and said, okay, we'll wait for this thing to open back up. And we never did that. We we said, if this thing never opens back up, then we have to figure out how we can still make this business work. Mm -hmm. And you that guys, was a different. You never paused. You did it like mid stride, you know, just. Uh -huh. And I think that comes uh, because we didn't have an option. You know, we don't look <laughs> right. at like optional. You know, this is our kids legacy, our future on the line. Mm -hmm. And to just stop, you know, it wasn't an option to us. And that kind of motivates us moving forward. Like every 
know, we wake up, there's a ton of things to do. We wear all the hats, do all these different things. Uh, and it gets exhausting. We're all fathers and, you know, our time gets stretched. But we look at it as mandatory things that must must be done. Not, well, I can do it or I can't. Because if, if we don't do it, then, you know, everything's going to collapse. So then we've kept the attitude from day one. And that served us well going through something like COVID uh, to where it wasn't optional. We had to keep going. We had to figure out some type of way. And we did. I wanted to talk about the beginning. Your your origin story is really fascinating, right? So, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with Macrobytes, you know, the, the three of you all were, um, were all incarcerated. Right? And you'd mentioned this in some of the stories. You see, and it's not clear... I don't think people listening understand how difficult it is to re-enter, you know, after incarceration, and how difficult it is to start a business. I think one of you mentioned in one of the interviews, um, you know, if you check that box, you know, the the resume goes and the doesn't get checked or doesn't get reviewed. So the, you know, um, you, I don't even know where to start here because you guys are all from so disparate. You know, you're working in restaurants, you're in, in personal fitness. But the idea of getting funding for a small business with that background, just the, the enormity of the task is pretty um, overwhelming. So what, what helps you persevere through that? I mean, society could not put up, possibly put up more hurdles for people <laughs> coming out, reentering society. It's almost designed to say, well, trip you up and send you back almost right away. You know, um, so I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure what the, the question is. Like, you know, how, you know where do you know, how do you get to from the step, you know, small steps, I guess you had mentioned before, but you know, where do you get the, um, the drive to keep going? And, and you know, because you to, to end up with this, with a na- nationwide distribution system from, uh, you know, from a start where most people aren't going to talk to you is pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, the biggest thing, uh, was the keep going mentality. You no, know, cause it hurts when me and him were walking into banks with a pre-approval for, you know, a $5,000 loan and we, we would think we would have it. And then when it comes time to, to meet the, the bank managers and give our IDs over, now there's, uh, well, we're sorry, we regret to inform you, but we'll call you back. And just having that happen over and over again uh, was a little demoralizing, but, you know, it's nothing new. You know, we, we've grown up knowing that, uh, you know, things are going to be different for us just because of the way we look in general, because we're black men regardless. And then, throw into that mix the mistakes that we made and, you know, winding up incarcerated and then getting out and then having all these legislative blocks that stop us from, you know, realizing some of the opportunities that are available to most entrepreneurs uh, is another demoralizing thing, but it's not something that ever uh, was going to stop us from doing what we were doing, you know, because we've done it before. We were able to get out of prison, secure jobs and, and keep going. This was just another version of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, um, I always say uh, to to the guys, to employees, and I, we all look at it. You know, once the once the motivation runs out, the discipline kicks in. So, or the discipline has to kick in. So, to get to that point, you have it's it's our discipline. That's how we did it, and we got the discipline from being in the situations that we were in. Yeah, we were in those situations, and we, you know we took lemons and made lemonade with it. That's all it was. And from being in those situations is how we did it. Without that, you know, I don't, who knows if we have the discipline to be able to sit down and go through COVID and work it out. You know, you get no's, we get no's all the time. 
But, you know, me, Dave, Fritz, you know, we take our nose and use them as practice so that the next time we go back and do that situation, you know, it's probably going to be another no. But, you know, we know how to, we know how to do it better. And it's so, motivation. You know, we, we, in our culture as a company, we have an attitude of what we're not even supposed to be here anyway. Well, People don't expect <laughs> to be here anyway. We walk in rooms and don't look like anybody there. And we know that we're not even welcome there. And it gives us more motivation to, sh to show people, to show other young people who look like us that you can do it if you have work ethic, discipline, determination, uh, and you keep going, you can make something of yourself. Absolutely. Even if we're not supposed to be here, we are anyway. One of the interesting things, and I loved how you said the legis all the legislative blocks was, and and don't quote me on this, but I'm going to be in the ballpark. We are like the only state in the nation that requires you to cook in a commercial kitchen. Yeah. So you can't cook okay. anything at home. So any small business owner from you guys to a person who happens to make great cookies or, or cupcakes, you have to rent. I mean, that whole process sounds torturous. And, and maybe you guys can talk about that for a second. But we are like legit the only state that requires that. And while there's a bill, I believe, right now working its way through the legislation on it, that bill's been working its way through the legislation, at least since I've been office in office. And that's like seven years. Yeah. So, so the whole commercial kitchen thing, I just feel like pounds anyone who doesn't have the capital that can open up the storefront immediately. Yeah, it's a huge barrier. And I'm glad you mentioned it yeah. uh, because, you know, we noticed that immediately, like, all right, we don't have money, but we have to go rent these kitchens by the hour, which is extremely expensive. It ends up being, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars a month if you're cooking regularly a couple of times a week. Uh, and I think the reason why the legislation is there, why there is no cottage laws here is because kitchens make a fortune on a bunch of small businesses who need to cook in a commercial kitchen. So they don't want to get rid of it. Uh, and I understand that. But, you know, we also got assistance when we started by, you know, cooking out of our friend Natalie's restaurant. She was somebody who knew, OK, they need a commercial kitchen, a certified kitchen. And when we went through something like COVID and didn't have enough money, you know, having a friend that has that that connection that that uh that reached back and helped us out you know allowed us to to maintain while even though it was difficult yeah we were definitely definitely super lucky and you're right it's almost uh exploitative how some how these share kitchens how they how they charge you and uh and the way that they do it um and that was definitely a major hurdle for us you know going back to being in this in, being ex-felons you know it's hard for us to get a lease anywhere so we can't get a lease anywhere and we have to now use these shared kitchens that are you know four times the price of what rent would be if we could just get a lease on a, on a regular on our own kitchen so you know again just moving through and we we're su super happy for you know natalie and aries day columbia thank thank god for her because without that you know who knows who knows what happens to the company and we should give a shout out what's the name of natalie's restaurant so uh, aries de columbia it's in Bradley Beach. So when I'm Bradley. Um, Some of the best Columbia food you ever eat, I promise you. We uh, buy her hot sauce from her now. Her <laughs> grandma's recipe that nobody knows. She's still in the back of the kitchen brewing it up. That's right. Uh, and it's original and everybody loves it. So her grandmother's back there? Oh, uh, yeah. Or, it's family business. Mom, yeah. daughter, grandma, the whole family's there. I say, if you go into any of the... Um, the Latino restaurants, Mexican, Colombian, and uh, the abuelas in the in the back. You know things are going to be good, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, top, top of tea, top of tea on Main Street. There, um, the same thing with the um, 
oh, tamales. There was a woman who used to come make the tamales. And if you got there early enough on a Friday, you got it. Otherwise, they were sold out. But, you know, it was, and she'd come out and look to make sure you liked it. But it, it, you, know <laughs> you're good, you know, you're in a good space, you know. Um, you know, I, I was at a line chef for about seven years. I didn't, I was thinking about going to culinary school and like the stress of food costs, uh, you know, right now I'm, I'm already anxious thinking about it and I haven't cooked in 20 years, right? The, so to not have a commercial space, so, and then have a place to keep your food and then, uh, you know, the, it's, uh, you know, uh, I guess we can all have a nervous break. Like as a business owner, you must have like a nervous breakdown every week. Like, you know, how do I get to, how do I get to Monday or how do I get to do Sunday? Right? No, you know? no. <laughs> you know, yeah, how mean, are you? Here's, a lot. You know, I guess the question is, how are y'all still friends? Because I, you know, I remember when I was a chef, I, I, I was a screamer. I would be like yelling at people, you know, throwing stuff you know, for the stress. I mean, it, it's a, that's I a mean, high. We're, we're barely like he was just about to beat me up the other day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, strong, strong foundation. We have a strong foundation. Now, yeah. Honestly, I think what's helped, you know, the three of us in our business relationship, even with all these high stress environments and stuff that's going on. Uh, is the bill is the ability to speak about things, you know, candidly and frankly, be honest with each mm -hmm. other and not take it personal, you know, be able to look at ourselves, you know, because in the beginning, you know, Jared or Fritz would bring something to me, some issue, something that I was doing, and I would be defensive. The media reaction would be like, no, you're doing something, not me. Uh, but now, you know, we've learned to look at ourselves and see what we're doing, and try to solve the problem. So I really, I really don't think it's any one specific thing. Like there's so many different things I could say. I could say, you know, mutual respect, strong foundation. Uh, I think the biggest thing, if I had to name one thing though, is that we've learned in business to take our egos out of things. We've learned to be able to interact with the, with each other. Um, based off non-emotional responses. And that's the biggest thing. We, we take time to, you know, listen to something that we may not like and go home and think about it and then respond to it at another time when we're in a better state of mind to be able to respond to it. We all have that mutual respect for each other. And I really think that's what, that's what it boils down to. And that's how we all stay friends and we all stay successful. You know, because with, without that, you know, we've both worked in places, I'm sure some of your listeners or you guys have, you know, without that mutual respect, regardless of how smooth things might be working in the kitchen, everything could collapse with people's egos, the inability to hear something and not take it personal and not react emotionally and just think about it logically. As a line cook, right, you know, any of the listeners who line cooks, how many times you've been in the kitchen and it's been a Friday or Saturday night and you got tickets out the wazoo and, and your well done steak or your medium steak went out well done and you need a well done steak and, you, and you know, that that kitchen manager, you know, they're not, they're not gonna be too happy, you know? So, so uh, it's, it's doing that. It's doing the exact opposite of that. Remaining. <laughs> the, the day I get my vaccine, I'm coming. I, I got stories. I'm going to come over to the store. <laughs> <laughs> and just, I also think, I thought, I thought you, you're, you're both making a great point and David, like the taking in criticism just as, I don't have political aspirations, right? I, I ran for office because I was like, yeah, I think I can do a really good job here and then I'm gonna. And to, 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 to sometimes get a barrage of compliments, but oftentimes to get a barrage of complaints, I have to separate myself and be like, okay. And it took me a little while to not internalize it and make it personal and feel like like trash pickup was, bad trash pickup was a reflection on me or, mm. you know, shootings or, I mean, like it ran the gamut. It went from here to there. But like this, but to be able to t like take in the criticism, 
which is always so much better when a solution is with it, right? When you're like, this sucked, but here's how you could do this better, Amy. That's always my (laughs) ideal way. Um, But just kind of take that in, not personalize it, just take it in and kind of internalize it and think it through. I think that's like a skill people need more of. And you're forced probably in in hospitality as, you know, and, and certainly in politics, um, if you're any good at it to, to, to kind of take a minute and think through the, the, the critique. Yeah, it's definitely a learned skill, man. And I'm not perfect at it. None of us are, but having it conscious in our mind and thinking about it at the very least, you know, helps tremendously because it's something that you have to practice every time you come in any type of conflict and it's real easy to, you know, go off the deep end. So, right. Totally. Can I ask you guys, was it easy? Um, and then I'm going to, and then I'm sorry, I know I just cut you off, Joe, but no, no, were you able to capitalize on any of the loans that, that came down the, the PPP or, you know, but it, it might've been before you had the store. I, I guess I should just ask that question. Like, was that, I know a number of businesses in town got it. And then I know a number of businesses in town didn't get it. So we did get a PPP for a small amount because we weren't paying ourselves and didn't have many employees, didn't have any employees, you know, <laughs> so uh, trying to get a PPP loan with no, uh, no real payroll was oh definitely, God. we got, you know, a $100,000 PPP loan. It, it helps, it helps us get through the hump. Um, but we didn't realize some of the, you know, I would hear about the amounts that, you know, some folks are getting, I'm like, wow, <laughs> you know, that's, that's great. <laughs> We do have four employees now. We do have an actual payroll that we're running now. You know, in the beginning when, you know, when all that stuff was coming out, it was the three of us with not on the payroll at all. (laughs) You know, not paying ourselves. So, you know, we we missed out. We missed the ball on that a little bit. But, you know, just kept pushing anyway. It's okay. When did you guys become food nerds? Because I was watching one of the videos when when Fritz started talking about macros. (laughs) got into it and I was like that guy's deep into the nutrition like he's you know got the, the carbs the the fats the fiber so when does like you know working in a restaurant turn into like like a at what point were you like no no it's, it's even more complex so there's a there's a there's a formula here that I'm gonna yeah. is, that, is that through the physical fitness uh, like the, the personal training is that what got you yeah. into that? so for me it was uh you know the little spark for that happened when I was in prison and my dad used to send me uh, books on personal training because I was getting into fitness. Uh, and I noticed that the biggest part of any type of you know, fitness program is always the nutrition. It always comes down to that. That's the hardest part uh, of my ex-wife, and my kid's mother. You know, she was one of my clients and she lost 35 pounds just off nutrition alone. Didn't step a day in the gym um, because it's that significant. And, you know, keeping that at, at the core for us. You know, carried over into our business because we think about that when we're making our food to make sure it's actually healthy food, not just, you know, something with a clean or a healthy or a green slapped on the label, but actually healthy food uh, and focusing on the nutrition, you know, is definitely big for us. Yeah. And it goes back to, you know, what, what Dave was saying before about, you know, doing what we're good at. It's things that we were already doing in our regular lives. We were already working out. We were already training people. We were already coming up with meal plans. We were already balancing uh, macros in our own meal prep. So it's just, you know, it's just stuff that we were already already doing. I, we've always kind of, well, I mean, I guess in most of our adult life, we've been kind of food nerds and we've been kind of learning, you know, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't, uh, we don't know it all. And we don't ever try to act like we know it all. Cause when you think you know it all is when you really don't know anything at all. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's just a constant learning process and we keep growing and keep learning. 
And it's interesting, man. Like when you, when you get down into it, and especially like when you see it change your body, like when you can, you know, put all those numbers and calculations into something that you consume, and then you see your body change. Like it's a you know a rewarding feeling, and it's interesting to learn about. You know, I, I'm with you. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Em. No, no, no. I was actually going to ask. Like, so do, do you have like what? What would you say? What are your best-selling meals, and what are the meals that you wish people ate more of? So our best-selling meal is the uh, lemon chicken piccata. It's a uh, chicken breast, uh, whole grain penne, and mixed vegetables with a piccata sauce spread on it. Um, and what I think people would eat more of would be some of these amazing vegan meals we have. Well, like, if you're not <laughs> vegan. Go for it, but that's some um, the glazed portobello bowl is one of the best tasting yeah. meals we have. <laughs> so I definitely wish you so more. Uh, well, Amy's vegan, so we'll be delivering. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm gonna total- <laughs> when I saw, so I saw, I guess I saw that on news. I forget where I saw it when I was doing research for this today. And honestly, I'm a little beaten down because so, so many places don't like the, it's a salad, right? Like what's your vegan option? It's like a salad. It's a salad. It's like, okay, <laughs> that's not really original, but a okay. Garden salad. <laughs> um so yeah no i'm i'm i i couldn't be happier one other thing i just wanted to make sure we covered because i know we're we're getting close to the five o'clock hour is how did you land at kula you know i don't even i don't know that story how you landed at kula cafe so uh the director of the business development center uh for interfaith uh, is a lady named jillian she saw our story in the uh, asbury park press i believe and reached out um, and she reached out early, like uh, around June or May. Uh, I had a, such such a backlog of emails. I hadn't even, I'd opened it and didn't ever even respond to her. And uh, after doing a speaking engagement at Montclair, we ended up getting an intern from Montclair State that was handling a lot of our social media and looking at our emails. And she went back and looked at it and was like, hey, Dave, I think this uh, might be pretty important. Uh, <laughs> so I reached out to <laughs> Billy um, and you know, they had closed the Kula Cafe because of COVID. Uh, they had a workforce development training program going on here. Uh, and the director of Interfaith didn't think that it was, you know, financially feasible to keep that going or, you know, wise to have a workforce development training program for the service industry, which is on the, was on the decline because of COVID. Um, so they heard our story, knew that we were cooking in um, shared kitchen space and uh, really just wanted to reach out and help, you know, provide us with affordable rent, uh, revenue share, so we didn't have to put up so much money up front. And then as we got into the space, we looked at what it could become, looked at where it was, and that's where we got the idea for a, a healthy marketplace um, that could provide some produce options, as well as, you know, the shakes, salads, wraps, and, and meals that we have. Uh, so really, it was a story of interfaith neighbors reaching out and helping us, because if it wasn't for them, you know, being understanding of our financial position at the time and all of that good stuff, we wouldn't be able to be here, you know? I No, I think that's amazing. I think that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a fortuitous spot. Like it's, there's such a great location. Uh, great. And I, and you, and I don't know, you, I don't think, I'm not sure if you've gotten like the full feel of summer there with the concert series, but I mean, that concert series in a non-pandemic gets, hundreds upon hundreds of people, you know, that hopefully will be kind of coming in and coming out and 
Um, yeah, I hope so, man. This is summertime. I hope so too. Yeah. We'll, we'll get you up on stage and make sure you do announcements. Too. And everyone uh, remember to request the Portobello Bowl. <laughs> um, can I ask one other thing? You mentioned that you now have four employees. Yeah, definitely. That's so huge, right? Ryan and Ethan work primarily out in the uh, cafe in Robbinsville. Uh, and then we have Kelly here, Michelle, and uh, Gustavo comes in. We have a you know a big workload of, of food to cook. Um, so it was it's real proud to even be able to tell you that because you know for so long, you know we just started paying ourselves a couple months ago. You know, a, a very small base salary. So to be able to to pay other folks too, it it feels amazing, man. It really does. And I'm going to ask you something that we ask a, a number of businesses that we have on, which is like three pieces of advice to somebody who has the dream, but not maybe either the resources or the application or, you know, what kind of advice are, are you giving? What, what would be the top three things you would tell people to do? So, so mine would be number one, doing something that you love. Uh, because if you don't, if you're not in love with it, then it's very unlikely that you're going to make it through the hard times. It's going to feel too much like work and it's going to be too hard and you're going to want to give up. Uh, so doing something that you're fully into, that you know about, uh, that doesn't feel like work to you uh, is very important. Uh, I think uh, for me, it's just, uh, you know, one, uh, well, you said three, uh, three, right? So uh, one, or one. Is <laughs> taking the, uh, it's making sure you're taking the initiative, right? Making sure you're doing it. So if you say you want to do something, you say you're going to do something actually do it take this look it up research it take the steps to do it um taking your emotion out of it i mentioned that earlier that's an important thing your attitude making sure you're taking your emotion out of your responses uh taking your emotion out of everything your bank account your finances everything you know you have to look at that number in your bank account you have to look at it you know what i mean and i got one more the actions man the <laughs> actions are everything what you just said just brought it yeah. back to me yeah because uh you know I'm sure we all know people who talk about things all the time, yeah. talk about doing things, have ideas. Everybody has great ideas. The, you know, the work ethic to actually do all the hard work on the back end and not glamorous stuff, but the things that are still required for it to, you know, to run efficiently, you know, don't, don't be somebody who just talks about stuff, be somebody who does stuff. Uh, because once you actually start doing it, then like I said, it, it becomes not optional anymore because you're in it, you're doing it. Uh, and if you stay in that analysis paralysis where uh -huh. you're just looking at it and talking about it and not never taking the leap, then, it, you know, it'll never get done. Like so many great business ideas. I'm sure. Yeah. I know we're at our limit, but just the very last one that I can't stress enough is yeah, six. It's, <laughs> it's, it's teamwork, right? It's teamwork. And nobody understands the importance. You know, people a lot of times don't understand the importance of teamwork. Nobody self-made. Everybody had a team. You know, you fly, you know, the Elon Musk sent falcon heavy into space you know he had a team of people that were working on things that made him able to do that his team quit so teamwork is very important understanding your place in your team understanding what to do in your team and understanding how to feed off everybody else to make everybody else around you great well said all of those are great i think the the the, the real two the two takeaways the initiative and taking the first step taking action you know, I work. I work for Rutgers University. I deal with a lot of business majors. We all have a lot of small ideas about starting a small business, and I'm like, "There's no reason for any of you to wait for your degree to be finished. Like, start your business. You know, like take steps now, because no one else is doing it for you, right? And you'll be surprised. 
once uh, when you take the step, someone will let you do. It. Then they will, you know they will let you do what you want to do. <laughs> you just have to go in that direction, right? Uh, or well, we talked about this before. You guys had a lot of people telling you you couldn't, right? But you still had to take that step in the face of that opposition, right? Which was really still did. Amazing, right? Still did. Right. I, I Joe doesn't know this, but I introduced David to um, Asbury Park Dinner Table, which I feel like was such. It's this it, the Asbury Park Dinner Table is this nonprofit that gives that pays rest. So at the time, this woman Kathy Kelly and Julie and a few people were very worried about restaurants and local business in town because it's a small town and everybody knows it's not Walmart or Target or you know we all you know I live next door to the owner of Watermark. I live down the street from Langosta, the owner of Langosta Lounge. Um, you know, I live around the corner from Ada's. So, you know, during the pandemic, you were seeing just like, I would see Russell pace back and forth on his porch when, when, when everything was shut down, shutting down. And, um, so they started this dinner table where they were paying restaurants to give food because people had all lost their jobs and couldn't get food. And, you know, it was like, it, it was, it very much just could have been an idea, right? Of course, we want to, we want to raise money and pay restaurants and get people food and, and, and a credit to, um, to Kathy and Julie and, and the people who put that together because they've raised over a $400,000. And, and what I loved about them and why I wanted to introduce them to you, David, is that their, I mean, their goal is of course to feed people who are hungry, but their goal was really also to get business money into small businesses. So when this passed, we had places to grab a bite or, you know, grab a drink or, you know, it was really, um, you know, it was really uh, kudos to them for taking that idea and materializing it in a in a horribly stressful time. I could not do anything all day but eat and drink. But I kudos to the Asbury Park dinner table. Exactly. I look forward to working with them soon. I hope yeah, I can. hope so too. And before we before we um, start to before we wrap this up, can you just go through your um, your social media handles? How do people get a hold of you? How do they book you? What are your hours? Anything like that you have? And if you don't know it, we'll put it at the end of it. If you don't know them off the top of your head. Well, so our website is macrobytes.com. Uh, all the social media is at underscore macrobytes. Uh, you can reach us. Uh, on email at support at macrobytes.com. Uh, and also the marketplace hours is 10 to four daily. So you always just stop in. Okay, great. great, thank you guys so much. Anything else that we didn't ask that we wanna make sure we get out? I wanted to ask you, do you do catering? Should I be telling people to contact you guys for catering? Catering, yeah, okay. We just uh, catered for the VNA next door, giving out the vaccines uh, for the staff. Nice. Um, and we put together our catering menu uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we're excited to get that part of our business clicking. So that we definitely cater. Uh, you can mention that. Make sure everybody knows we would love to cater for offices once you know offices are back open. Uh, Your home home offices. Yeah, <laughs> we would love, we would love to cater for you guys down at the chamber. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. I will make sure the chamber knows. We can cater um, you. We'll, we'll cater you lunch one day or something. Oh, awesome. Any, am I missing anything else? Did I forget any other questions? I know we're like a few minutes over, so I don't want to. No, no I think we're good. That's just, I mean, okay. it's great. Thanks for you guys for taking your time. And you guys are super Thank busy. Thank you so much for taking your time. Thank you guys so yeah. much for having me. We appreciate it. Thank the you. Opportunity.